Welcome to Speaking of Partnership, the show that brings you the personal partnership stories of experts from all walks of life so you can turn their stumbling blocks into stepping stones to healthy, long-lasting partnerships. I'm your host, Ken Bechtel. You know that the partnership game is not easy, but it's so worth it. If you're struggling with attracting or maintaining partnerships, go to speakingofpartnership.com right now, click on the big red button, and attend a free webinar on the secret to starting your ideal partnership today. Now, let me introduce you to today's guest. I can't tell you how excited I am to bring you today's featured guest, Dan Millman. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ken. Good to be here. It's great to have you here. Uh, as we were saying before we got started, I've been a fan of your work for many, many years, and I'm excited to have you here. So for anybody who might not know Dan, let me just kind of give you a little background here. Dan Millman is a former world champion athlete, Stanford University coach, martial arts instructor, and Oberlin College professor. He's actually authored 16 books that have been published in 29 languages, including his classic, Way of the Peaceful Warrior, which was actually made into a film with Nick Nolte back in 2007. Now, Dan speaks worldwide, and he has influenced people from all walks of life with his work. Dan, I mean, for those of us that, that know your book, The Way of the Peaceful Warrior, we know a little bit about this background, but can you give us a glimpse into how you got down this path and the work you're doing now? Yeah, I think I can summarize it, Ken, by saying that I was, uh, like many people, into self-improvement very much when I was a young man. I was doing speed reading courses, memory courses, martial arts, juggling, gymnastics, as you mentioned. Uh, and I just, it was, a, improvement was fun. I loved improving writing, words, everything. But then one day I realized uh, no matter how much I improved myself, only one person benefited. But if I could somehow influence other people in a positive way, um, that made my life somehow more meaningful. So I continued to improve on things I practiced, but my focus was more, how can I reach out to others? And and that led me along a different path. And, and I started out teaching in gymnastics, which is what I knew as my background. I loved doing it. And I helped kids at the YMCA and uh, other people. And I became a fitness coach and so on. But my interest expanded uh, into what is life's bigger picture. It's as if I shifted from how to create talent for sports into how to create talent for living. Mm -hmm. What are the skill sets? What are the, uh, the essential cores of wisdom? And, and I guess that led me into what is loosely called the self-help or personal development field. Uh, I, I don't like to use the word spirituality much because it's so, it means so many different things to different people. Um, so I keep it very practical. But as that, then one day I decided maybe I had a book in me. I was writing a series of articles and the manuscript got larger and I said, wow, that looks almost like a book manuscript. And it had never occurred to me to write a book, but I started writing and working on it and over and over and over I wrote it uh, for a period of about seven years. And I hoped a few college students might like it and it took a while to take off, but when it did, word of mouth seemed to carry it, and it's still going today, and that's Way of the Peaceful Warrior. I didn't write another book for 10 years. No. Uh, but, you know, I, I that's pretty much uh, a summary, and then I've been writing for the last 40 years, um, and I speak around the world, And but right now I want to focus being here with you now. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And, you know, it's... That's a great point of, you know, 
you you just kind of realize oh, this kind of looks like a book. <laughs> I wasn't even yeah. trying to. It's like maybe that should be in a book form. And it's had such a tremendous impact. And, and the fact that that was your focus was how do I help people? I love the way you said it, creating talent for living. Because, I mean, do you ever see the class like that? Nope, <laughs> not really. We never think of it in those, in those perspective, right, of this is just life. Like, how do I make the most of life and contribute the most and have the richest life I possibly can? So that's, that's so cool that that was kind of the, the genesis behind the work you did. Well, I, I identify with other people. I have a strong bond of empathy with almost everyone I meet. Um, and, and it's funny that you talk about story and stories of partnership. And to me, the story of humanity is the story of partnership. Mm-hmm. No one is, that I've ever seen has accomplished anything entirely on their own, though many people create that myth. I pulled myself up with my own bootstraps. But how about the people who created the computer that allows us to to speak now or or uh, – people who uh, drive us places or created the car that we drive, uh, made the shoes that we use on our feet. So to me, human life is, is a story of, of partnership. Um, and, and that's so it's a story of collaboration. I, I think one shift we need to make to survive as a human species. I mean, the Earth doesn't need saving. Earth will be fine. It survived cataclysms of fire and comets and everything else. But humanity, uh, that's that's still up. The jury's out <laughs> on that one. And I think to survive, we're going to need to make a shift from mm-hmm. competitive mind where it's always each of us out for our own things. What is my preference? And we have to start asking what's for the highest good of all concerned. And rather than short-term interest, more long-term. It's been said before. It's not an original idea altogether. But I think we need to shift to collaborative mind, uh, working together in partnership and to me, uh, you know, Darwin, people use Darwin, they say, oh, but survival of the fittest, Darwin's, you know, theory of evolution, but they don't even know about Darwin's extensive writing on how many species thrive because they collaborated, they cooperated with one another. Um, and, and so he wasn't all about just tooth and claw uh, mm-hmm. competing to get past the other guy, because there is no other guy in my world. It, we're all in this together. And uh, I'm, I reached a place, wherever that is, that someone else's success is mine and, and their failure is mine too. So I, I have a deep sense of partnership with everyone I meet. I love that perspective. And and your comment about, you know, that's really what life is. Life is partnership. And I couldn't agree more. And, you know, that obviously the focus of our show here on speaking of partnership. And I, I wanted to ask you, for yourself, Dan, like, what is kind of your guiding principle or, or mantra or touchstone that you use whenever you do get off base of partnership? Maybe you're off in the weeds a little bit, and this helps you get back on, on path. Well, there's a saying, I think it's probably fairly ancient, he who has a partner has a master, <laughs> in the sense that you've got to check out with them whatever you're doing if you're working with a partner, um, and you may have different styles. I was uh, a dear friend, and I were, were collaborating uh, on, uh, on on a, a book project, and we also gave some workshops and talks after this book came out. And this person had—I'll uh, call him George. That wasn't his name, but mm-hmm. I'll call him George. And we had very different styles. Mine was more intuitive, spontaneous, improvisational, and his was very. Uh, uh, focused on preparing, almost memorizing everything that he was going to say. But he, the problem was he wanted me to do that too. 
and it just doesn't work for me. I've never used notes for, for 30 years in giving talks. I open my heart, open my mouth, and it seems to work out. But he was totally focused and wanted me to do that. So that's where things got into difficulty because it, to me, one principle of good partnership is respecting your partner's process which may be different from your own. You know, one of the principles, the core principles of this approach to living I teach, I call the peaceful warrior's way about living with a peaceful heart, but a warrior spirit. A core principle is that there is no best book, no best teacher, no best path, no best religion or diet or martial art or exercise system. There's only the best for each of us at a given time of our life. And so I have profound respect for people's process. And it was fine if he wanted to memorize everything he was going to say. That would not work for me. It's like the two sides of the brain fighting one another. So that was, that was a difficulty because he didn't respect my process and wanted me to do what he thought was the best way. And maybe some people, maybe some of your listeners can, can resonate with that from the past people they've worked with. They just have different styles, not better or worse. Yeah, I, I, I can personally resonate with that. I, I used to teach a class uh, with a colleague of mine, and I, like you, Dan, I, I did use notes. I used a one-inch post-it note. That's That was my notes for my class. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And this woman would show up, and she'd have all her notes written out, and and she would always ask me, like, what are you going to, you know, what are you going to guide on? And I said, this, and it would be a word or two. And she's like, well, I need to know what you're going to say. <laughs> yeah right and I said well I don't know it's going to be right. whatever the class brings and she's like well I don't want to say what you said I said well I'll be sitting next to you I'll hear what you said I won't repeat you and you don't uh-huh. need to repeat me but for her she needed to have it lined out and we worked together for quite a while and finally she just one day said I can't do this I need yeah. to know what's coming it doesn't work for me Right. and that was great we had to just you know recognize that that wasn't going to line up and yeah. For me, obviously, I had a more fluid process. So for me, it didn't matter. But for her, it it felt uncomfortable. And she couldn't work that way. And it caused tension for her. So we parted ways. And and it all worked out. There was somebody else who wanted to teach the class with me. And and they worked in a way that was similar to mine. So we found our our, our right matches there. But I think that happens in so many areas of our life. Right. And it doesn't make anybody wrong. Just different. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's one thing. And, you know, in, in my book, The Life You Were Born to Live, there are different kind of uh, uh, issues, qualities, dynamics between different people. And, you know, I might mention, actually, now that I mentioned the book, I wasn't actually going to bring the book up um, uh, because we're talking about a partnership, collaboration. But in the book, um, well, someone can go to my website, peacefulwarrior.com, uh, and they'll see on the splash page, the first page, they just see um, a a quotation and then they'll see a life purpose calculator. And if they go to that life purpose calculator, just click on it, they'll be able to input their date of birth and I don't, I'm not going to get into all this. You know, people go, your date of birth, what can that tell you? And I agree, it, it doesn't make sense. But they put in their date of birth and they can also put in the date of birth uh, of someone close to them. Uh, a life partner, a spouse, mm-hmm. a business partner, and see the dynamic between them. Now, if they just put in their own date of birth, they will see a number. That won't mean much to them if they're not familiar with my book. But they will also see some key words and also a paragraph or two uh, highlighting some essential elements of their life path. And most people are surprised. Like, how can this work? That's amazing. But 
the point is if they put two people's date of birth in, they will see a composite or a dynamic between the two. What kind of energy, if you will, or dynamic exists between those two people? And there is no better or worse life path. There is no better or worse dynamic with two people. They just have different qualities and different strengths and different challenges to work with. That is true in marriage, in business partnerships, uh, or any other kind of creative collaboration. Absolutely. That, that's a great resource because I, I, I've read your book and it was incredibly insightful and, and very right on. And at the same time, you can pick it up and go, wow, this is pretty daunting. It's a big book, but it's more of a reference book. So obviously, I'm only looking at the parts that apply directly to me. But to exactly. be able to just type in the, the information of myself and, and whoever the partner is and then get that dynamic is, is incredible. So that's a really, really cool resource. Thanks for letting us know about that. Yeah, and that's that's free. But but again, it's only a tiny sampling, yeah. as you know, of the information one can access. Um, but but one of the issues in that is the law of cooperation. Mm -hmm. It's one of the one of the universal laws that I give to help overcome hurdles on one's life path. And the law of cooperation reminds us that we can under cooperate or over cooperate to find that balance. Uh, an example: when my wife and I first were together. Um, I'd say, well, what movie would you like to go see? Oh, whatever you want, Dan. Oh, okay. Well, uh, how about the restaurant? Do you have a preference for a restaurant? Oh, no. Well, whatever you want, Dan. In other words, she was over-cooperating. Mm -hmm. uh, I couldn't get her to say what she wanted. Well, now we've been married 43 years, and I'll say, well, and, and the way she picks a restaurant is she has me suggest six or seven places and says, no, no, no. And that helps her sort out the one she wants to go to. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I say that with a tongue-in-cheek and a little humorous. Um, we, she's my best friend and guardian angel. But we have that dynamic where it, one can over-cooperate or under. And the challenge is, uh, being in a mutually cooperative relationship where there's give and take on both sides. And that's always a dance of any partnership. Absolutely. Yeah, because, I mean, anything done in excess doesn't work anymore. So it's a great example. Right. So let me ask you this. I mean, one of the things that our, our listeners love is how generous our guests are in, in showing, you know, sharing their own stories, what what's happened for them. So I want to ask you, like, what's a time in your life where – Maybe you kind of tripped up in a partnership and, and you know, what were you doing? What did you trip on? And, and ultimately, what did you learn from that experience that helped you move forward? Well, I, I've certainly made many mistakes in my life in various areas. That's how I learn. That's mm -hmm. how anybody learns. Uh, but I wouldn't necessarily use the word tripped up in, in this particular case. But yes, glitches arose, uh, and it was that relationship I mentioned before, the creative relationship, writing a book with someone, mm -hmm. um, who does, who's doing the most work, who's bringing what to the table, um, and uh, eventually uh, we got a book out that turned out to be better than either one of us probably could have written on our own. So that, mm -hmm. that ended up the product, the fruit of that partnership was good, even though there were some rocky times. Um, and I know I'm being general, but when it came to speaking and teaching together, that was that uh, that difference in personality style. And what ended up, I almost had a deer in the headlights look in my eyes half the time, because you were conscious when you described working with this woman, and you had a more flowing, spontaneous approach, and mm -hmm. she wanted to be well prepared and know ahead of time what you were going to say. Um, now, I wouldn't call that anybody tripping up. As you say, it was just different. And in, in my case, um, 
that person really wanted me to memorize and be prepared the way she felt, well, he felt uh, would be a way to go. And I was like a deer in the headlights because I tried doing it that other way. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't nearly as good, and and it was frustrating for both of us. So I guess I can't give a better example than that one. Uh, most of the time, uh, partnerships have worked out in, in a, an attitude of mutual respect, and we draw, draw upon each other's strengths, and we have a sense of humor about one another's uh, quirks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And... I mean, you said something very important there. Sense of humor is is paramount to to having a, a successful partnership because you are going to have things that don't match up, and you got to go, oh, "Wow, I never would have thought of doing it that way," or "Oh, that's just how I do it. I forgot you don't." Instead of beating each other up, right? So it is. I, I love that you called it a dance. It is a dance. And it's also a martial art, but more mm-hmm. like Aikido. Um, um, there's, you know, this nonviolent communication where you make sure you understand the other person, repeat what they said, and ask if they'd like to correct it. It's a little bit unwieldy, but it's a good method for working with people so you avoid misunderstandings. Because an example I use is if I picture a cow, right in this moment, I'm picturing a cow. Now, everybody listening knows what a cow is, you know what a cow is, and you might have a picture come to your mind. But the picture of your cow might be quite different mm-hmm. from. Mine might be uh, uh, all white with some black spots. Somebody else's might have brown spots uh, and so on. So uh, someone once said, if you could get into someone else's head and look at the world, it would be like you were on an LSD trip, I suppose, um, because we do view the world a bit differently and have different approaches to things. And it's amazing that we can work work things out. Um, look, we, we look at the larger political arena and people aren't working things out that well. It tends to be quite adversarial and fixed positions mm-hmm. and identity as one thing or another. Uh, we identify with, with various things. I, I see that as uh, uh, an issue when people have different identities uh, and that's when conflicts can happen. So to avoid that, um, Communication is an art. I'm still learning. At my age, I'm still learning how better to communicate with my family, my daughters, uh, wife. And that's, I think, uh, another key element of partnership is just being open with one another and let let them know where you are. And that's something that, uh, well, I know I can work on. (laughs) Yeah, I think all of us can. And you know, your comment about identifying with a certain position or a certain mindset. I mean, that's really goes back to what you said earlier about, you know, there is no best. There's the best for you right now. But that doesn't make it the ultimate paramount best for everyone always. And that's the that yeah. identification where we're like, nope, my way is the best no matter what. This is it. My way or the highway, that Mm -hmm. sort of thing. And in fact, I mentioned Aikido, the martial art of Aikido, Mm -hmm. because that's all about what Judo used to be, which is about flowing with someone else's energy, letting them go where they want to go, and using that energy in order to, uh, uh, as peacefully as possible, reconcile the situation. 
And that can happen in communication. If someone says something and you have a quite a different view, you can, you know, it's, it, you can take a moment and acknowledge it and say, well, that's quite an interesting approach. I hadn't thought of it. It's quite different from what I might have done. But let me think about it for a while. And, and while we're doing that, uh, here's another possible approach. Now, I don't think that would offend anybody. But if, if somebody says an idea and you go, no, that's just way off base because you have a very different idea of how it should be done, well, then all of a sudden you're in a conflict. So it's a, an Aikido approach to conversation and to, mm. to working with someone else's energy. Mm-hmm. And it, it's an art that uh, I find delightful but challenging. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's switch gears a little bit here, Dan, because, I mean, we've been talking about some potential stumbling blocks and that type of thing. Sure. What would you say for you is a time when... I call it like a proud moment of partnership where maybe it was romantic or family or career, but one of those times that when you think back on it, you you can't help but smile and just go, man, that was cool. (laughs) Ah, well, let me think. Um, Okay. I'm going to bring up an example right now. Great. Uh, I'm in partnership with you. Sure. I'm in partnership with your listeners. I'm reaching out to you and to them. Um, and I think that's pretty cool because to me, the only moment that exists, the only moment of reality is right now. Uh, the rest is memory and imagination. And we remember things uh, through a filter, just like we see the world through our own filters of perception, projection, associations, meanings. And so in the, f- and the future is just imagination. Uh, all we have is right now. So I tend to focus on what's going on right now, and we're definitely in partnership, flowing along. Mm-hmm. So in terms of a story, I, nothing hits me, so I'm, uh, maybe something will pop up in the next few minutes. Okay, great. So we're, we're wrapping up the, the store, the store, the show now. I don't know where store came from. Um, <laughs> my brain wasn't in partnership with my mouth, apparently. <laughs> uh, and, and what I want to do is, you know, kind of, just leave our listeners with some little gold nuggets that they can they can take with themselves right now. And, and I'm wondering for you personally, what what was the best either partnership or relationship advice that you ever received? Well, what comes to mind, and it illustrates something I said before in terms of collaboration. My my dad once said to me, Dan, you know what I love about the game of tennis? He wasn't really just talking about tennis, but I said, what, Dad? He said, well, every shot makes somebody happy. And that's that's really why I stopped coaching, because I didn't care who won anymore. Mm-hmm. And he was looking at this big picture view. Isn't it true? Every tennis shot makes somebody happy. Mm-hmm. And when I played a game of tennis, you know, it, you, it could be called a non-contact martial art. Um, it, it can be a very aggressive game. Uh, you see an opponent, uh, an adversary across the net. And yet, when I play tennis, what I the person I see across the net is my teacher, and my student. They're my teacher because without them, how can I improve? All I can do is hit the ball against a wall. But they're going to show me my weak spots. Uh, they're going to show me where I can improve and challenge me. And without them, again, I, I don't have much chance to learn and grow. So to me, I don't see an adversary across the net. And I actually play better because I'm more relaxed. I'm having more fun. I'm learning. Whereas if they're just my opponent, then I've got to beat them. I've got to win the next point. And we argue over line calls and things like that. So 
his little quip about every shot makes somebody happy, that's true in life too. Uh, I stopped coaching. I mentioned that a few moments ago because I didn't care who won anymore. Uh, I coached the Stanford team. We had a great team. We went from the bottom of the conference to one of the top three teams in the United States in about three years. Uh, the top U.S. Olympian was on our team and uh, some great champions uh, from Los Angeles and Chicago and so on. Um, but I admired the routines of the other athletes on the other team too and admired the coach uh, and their style of coaching and learned from them. So it's a little odd. It's not typical approach. It's all about how can I, you know, win and all that. You know, Jerry Seinfeld used to say that second place is the top of the losers category. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he had a way with words, too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but sports is a metaphor of life. We learn a lot from sports uh, in terms of process and patience and uh, the results being commensurate to the preparation and so on. And different athletes approach sports differently, the way they train. Some wait for inspiration. Some are doggedly just step-by-step improving. Uh, so that's that's pretty much uh, where I am in relationship to uh, to working with people and, and uh, flowing through life. I, I, I love that quote. It's such a great reminder. Because yes. you're right, it, it's a different perspective on the game. Has it become a competition of... Oh, that was in, that was out, you're not playing fair, any of that, or do you just enjoy the experience? And sure, somebody's going to have the best score at the end of the, the match, but you had a different experience in the match if you're not, you know, in that kind of intensity of, of constant competition, which obviously depends on what type of match it is, right? If it's a competitive match where you're running for a prize, that's very different. But at the same time, you can still have fun and, and get there. It's funny, I was... Um, I was thinking about this the other day. I saw that the uh, Golden State Warriors were playing the Lakers. Uh-huh. And I was like, you know, I think, like, even if I knew nothing else about them, the Golden State Warriors always look like they're having fun. Even when they're losing, they look like they're having fun. Because they seem to enjoy playing together. And I was thinking about, you know, one of the most amazing basketball players ever, LeBron James. He always looks so serious. And it's like, it's so intense. And I'm like, wow, that's like such a different energy to both those teams. And even personalities like, you know, Steph Curry is known for like pumping his fist and having a big smile on his face when he makes one of those amazing shots. And and LeBron makes amazing shots and he's just like, yeah, see, I can do that too. It just seems so intense. Well, some of us have a lot to prove, a lot on the line and, and they get more serious and uh, I think the wisdom of experience has taught me that a couple of things. First of all, I never recommend that any athlete or anyone in life uh, strive for success because success is not in our control. Uh, I, I recommend they strive for excellence. Mm. And anyone who strives for excellence, that is in our control, paying attention, being mindful, doing as best the best quality we can in what we do, um, I think will – is more likely to succeed. We can control our efforts in life. We can control that, but we cannot control the outcomes. Mm-hmm. We can't control whether we sink a putt every time in golf or make a basket in basketball. Uh, we can't control whether we find love or succeed in, in a business venture. But by making a good effort over time, we vastly increase the odds of success over not making the effort. 
So that's why I say strive for excellence, not success. And let what happens unfold, because that's not fully our business. But yeah. excellence is, yeah. That's a, I, I love that. That is a great reminder, because obviously the things that bring us pain and agony and frustration are the things we try and change that we can't actually control. Right, exactly. Yeah, wonderful. So, Dan, we were talking earlier about a couple of your books, and I'm, I'm wondering, those are amazing. Like I said, I've been a fan for a long time. Outside of your own work, what, what would be like a book or reference or resource that you'd recommend to listeners around partnership or relationships, and why that particular one? Well, oddly enough, I would recommend a book that's actually a bit hard to find. Um, it's written by a fellow named Malouf. Uh, forget his first name, but it's M-A-L-O-O-F, and it's called On Identity. And it has probably the worst cover I've ever seen in a book. It's a weird cover. <laughs> but the book is uh, a seminal book. It's one of the most uh, intriguing books I, I've read. It, it goes into uh, how identity can help us uh, form a group, a congregation. But whenever there's an in-group, there's also an out-group. And so it goes into more about some of the issues that can arise as we identify. When we become a this, we're not a that. Mm. And and when, where there is a self, there's an other. And, and uh, fear arises in competitiveness. So maybe uh, there people need to examine uh, identity. For example, someone says, I am uh, a musician. That's who I am. Well, what if they're injured and they can't play music anymore in the same way? Mm -hmm. What happens to their identity, their sense of identity? Um, what if they say, I'm an athlete, and I'm a, a champion athlete, and a, a pro athlete, and then they're injured or they retire? They want to come back. They want to come back again because that's their identity. I'm a police officer. That's my identity. And I tell people, no, that is not who you are. That is what you – it's just something you do. Even if you're a maestro in music, that's something you do, and you do it well, great. But it's not who you are. And that's when we, when we create an identity about what we do, uh, it's risky because we can't often do it well every day or forever. So I think we need to differentiate between who we are and what we do. So true. So true. And it's funny you made that comment about like the identity of an athlete or so on, because I, I live in Boulder, Colorado, where there's uh -huh. lots of athletes. And I had a, a friend of mine, a woman who was a professional cyclist, and she told me she was on a training ride one day and, you know, grinding away. And it just hit her. She's like, what am I doing? Like, why uh -huh. am I out here doing this? I've, I've already I've been a national champion. I've done all the you know, goals I set, why am I out here grinding away and beating on my body? And she goes, I literally pulled over to the side of the road, took out my phone, called my coach and said, I retire. How about that? That's a great story. And she said her friends, her colleagues on the team, like, were like, how do you do that? That's all I am. Yeah. And that is, um, if I had a message to, to convey to athletes or musicians or other people who I'd say, I am a worker. I am a provider. That's who I am. No, it's not just something you do mm -hmm. now, otherwise your worth your value is wrapped up in that and that's when you start looking serious like lebron james yeah instead yeah. of hey i played do you remember the globe trotters the harlem oh, globe trotters yeah. mm -hmm. they had such a or at least they certainly appeared to be having a blast yeah 
It was so much fun. I loved watching because they were just, it was a joy. We've all had a time we played table tennis or a golf game. For, for whatever reason, we were just hanging loose. We didn't care. And we were just having these inspired shots. Um, I played a tennis table tennis game once. I couldn't miss. And I wasn't even trying. Yeah. And maybe that's the key, you know? Yeah. Let, let it flow a little bit. Yeah, know? absolutely. That's, that's yeah. fantastic. And there's one other quick anecdote. Uh, yeah. I, when I was coaching in Stanford, I walked into the gym one day, and one of the guys had arrived early, and he was stretching, you know, lying on the floor, pulling one uh, straight leg to his chest, mm -hmm. you know, to to get more flexibility, and that would have been fine. He was work, warming up, and, and but I heard him mutter as I walked by, "Oh, I, this hurts so much. I hate this." And I turned to him and, and said, "Brian, who's doing it to you?" You know, and that I thought I'd walked into a Mel Brooks movie. Like I, nobody took possession of him, but a lot of people live that way. Mm -hmm. This is so hard. This is so hard. There is a story in Way of the Peaceful Warrior about you know I was complaining about something or the other to my old mentor Socrates, and he said, "Dan, you remind me of a, a workman I knew. I was on a construction site working that back then, and he said every day this guy opened his lunch and said, ah." Oh, not peanut butter and jelly again. I hate peanut butter and jelly. But he did this every day. No, not peanut butter and jelly. Oh. And he did this day after day after day. And finally, uh, he said to his workmate, listen, why don't you ask your wife to make you something different? You, you, do you forget? And the guy said, what are you talking about? I'm not married. He said, I make my own sandwiches. Mm -hmm. And sometimes some people live that way. They make it harder than they need to on themselves. Yeah. They just push... Always going for a hundred percent, hundred percent. Why not push for eighty or eighty-five percent to have a little better time doing it? You might take a little longer to improve, or you might even improve faster. Fewer injuries, fewer burn, less burnout, and take life a little slower, a little easier. That's a good reminder for anybody, including myself. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, I definitely hear that. So, Dan, I mean, we. This has been great, and, and obviously we could probably go on for a lot longer, but we don't have that time. So would you do me a favor? Would you let our listeners just remind them again, how do they how do they contact you? How do they learn more about what you do? Sure. If anybody's curious about my work, they can go to PeacefulWarrior.com. And there are a lot of fun things to do there and online courses uh, that don't cost much. And I've had 25,000 students in one of them, 10,000 in, in another. Um, and my books and audios and uh, speaking schedule, all of those are at the website. And, and uh, yeah, I'd welcome people to drop in. Fantastic. Awesome. Thank well, you. Dan, thank you again. I mean, you're, you're, what you've shared, your insights, super incredible. And, you know, I'm, there's ones that you've said, I'm just like, okay, I got to dig into that after we get off the, off the call here. And I know that's going on for our listeners as they listen and go about their day. So thank you again for being on the show. Oh, it, it's really been a pleasure. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Speaking of Partnership. Head over to speakingofpartnership.com for links and recaps of every show and so much more. Be sure you catch the bonus stories from our guests on Follow Your Yes Friday. It's easy to do. Just go to your favorite podcast directory, search for Speaking of Partnership, and click subscribe. Like what you hear? Leave us a rating and review on Stitcher or iTunes. The greatest compliment you can give the show is to refer us to someone else either in person or on the web. Have a great day. And remember, even when you stumble, you're still moving forward. Peace.